0: This is the Project Upland podcast presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode of the show, we're talking mapping, scouting, and tracking your hunts with Ben Bredigan of Onyx Hunt. Welcome back to the show for episode number 120. The Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. We're going to talk all about it today. Use the promo code PUP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription today. And by Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. If you want to get the most out of your dog, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the new Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup at EukanubaSportingDog.com. And by CZ USA Shotguns, shotguns designed with the Upland Hunter in mind, from the Bob White and Sharptail side-by-sides to the Upland Ultralight, Wing Shooter Elite over and unders. They've got pumps. They've got semi-autos. CZ USA has a shotgun for you. You're in the market for your next bird hunting shotgun. Head over to cz-usa.com. And by Gumleaf USA, high-quality, handcrafted, premium rubber boots that will stand the test of time. Head over to GumleafUSA.com and use the promo code PUP10 to save 10% off your next pair of boots. And by Dogtra Collars, for over 30 years, Dogtra has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools for e-collar training, GPS tracking, and more to support bird dog owners in developing top-notch dogs. Find out more at dogtra.com. And by ESP, electronic shooters protection, custom molded, custom fit hearing protection for shotgunners and bird hunters. Learn more and check out all their products at ESPamerica.com. And by Trinity Kennels, home of the Epignol Breton, Brittany Spaniels, French Brittany Spaniels from Champion Bloodlines, field tested and family approved for over 30 years. You want to learn more about Trinity Kennels? Check out Project Upland Podcast number 88 with Jeff and Josh Ryder, or visit trinitykennels.org. And by Dakota 283 Kennels, Unparalleled Protection, newly designed website, same quality kennels. Head over there and check them out at dakota283.com. All right, this week's winner of the podcast giveaway is Benny C. All the way from new zealand ben sent me an email some feedback he left us a review on the itunes podcast app thank you benny project Upland t-shirt headed your way if i can figure out how to get our supplier to send you one anybody listening could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway all you have to do is make a meaningful contribution to the show leave the show a rating leave us a review in your podcast app subscribe to the podcast share the podcast send us some feedback or guest suggestion You can email me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com. All right, we're diving in today with one of our most supportive and long-term partners here on the Project Upland podcast, Onyx Hunt. We've got Ben Bredigan, business development manager for Onyx Hunt. He's based in the Midwest, right here in Minnesota. We do an Upland hunting recap, talk about our seasons a little bit up to this point, and then we dive deep into Onyx, how Ben uses it, how I use it. We try to cover a lot of features and help you all listening get the most out of your onyx hunt subscription don't forget if you don't have it yet you can check it out with a seven day free trial just do it check it out i'm confident you will see the value and want to continue using it and if you do you can use the promo code pup20 to save 20 percent on your onyx hunt subscription all right let's jump into the conversation and welcome on to the project upland podcast of onyx hunt ben bredigan rolling buddy awesome welcome to the project Upland podcast ben bredigan of onyx hunt or onyx maps what do you say
1: onyx hunt onyx hunt yep that's our that's the app
0: you've got the i we we definitely won't won't dive into this but in within the last year there's been kind of a separation where we've got onyx hunt and then you've got the onyx off-road right like what's what's going on there just from from your perspective
1: so uh uh about a year ago, we launched our off-road app. And so kind of the, the company is, uh, you know, we are still have a large group of people that, that are dedicated to the hunt side of things. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's just so many opportunities with the off-road and then, you know, throughout the outdoor space to help people essentially, um, you know, figure out where they are, where they're going, how to plan for a variety of outdoor pursuits. So that's kind of how off-roads
0: spawned yeah it's pretty unique i mean onyx hunt was certainly inspired and developed within the hunting community but you get in there and you poke around a little bit and at a at a much larger level it's it's gis it's mapping it's things that many many people need beyond the hunting community so it only makes sense that that would be an inevitable evolution for onyx which is very cool but Ben, we didn't bring you on to talk about off-road. We wanted to talk to you about hunting and birds. But first, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us what you do for Onyx Hunt and how you wound up in that position.
1: Yeah, so I am the Midwest uh, Business Development, uh, and I cover all uh, all of the bird species. So upland, waterfall, turkey, that's kind of my bread and butter. And so, working with uh, pheasants forever, working with the upland waterfall ambassadors, uh, as well as uh, comp- company partnerships with um, you know, anyone kind of in this midwest area, so uh, as well as anyone involved on the uh, upland bird side, anything bird side, so that's uh, that's kind of what I do in a very, very tight nutshell,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh. So yeah, so I live in Minnesota, I'm out of uh, just southwest of the Twin Cities here, and up until now, I actually, I was living down in Mississippi, so a long way south of here. (laughs) (laughs) Moved down there about five years ago, and uh, worked for for Primo's Hunting, and produced their television show, and also uh, was the brand manager for Primo's, so a lot of cool things down there, did a ton of fishing on the Gulf. You know, there's upland opportunities down there are pretty few and far between, so got to get on a little uh, wild quail down there, which is kind of, you know, a little bit of a sad story, but had the opportunity to do a lot of that. And then woodcock, you know, down in the Louisiana. I mean, it was people just don't take advantage of it. It was great. Didn't see that many people. And I think, what do they say? Like 50% of the wintering uh, population of Woodcock live in one basin in Louisiana. So pretty, pretty cool things to do down there, but uh, very, very thankful to, to jump on with Onyx and be able to move back home to Minnesota. So uh, I've been taking full advantage of being back in the Midwest and, and hunting all the you know the proximity here, being able to travel to hunt uh, a bunch of different places for a bunch of different things.
0: Yeah, you certainly have. We're we're definitely going to talk about that. I'm curious about the Louisiana woodcock hunting. How much did you get a chance to do that? I've done it one time, like very very small sample sizes, just kind of like got a taste for it. But did you spend a, any time doing that?
1: Yeah, I spent quite a bit of time doing okay. that. Um, whether it's in Louisiana or you know that whole flyway right along the right. Mississippi River, so. Um, a lot of good ground up and down the river to hunt as well.
0: See any gators?
1: Oh, gosh. Plenty. <laughs> My gosh. There. Snakes? Yeah. So the best thing is when people from up north would come down, I had, uh, for a while there, I had a little duck boat before I bought a bay boat and take them out to the reservoir kind of by by Jackson. And, and we'd go on, like, swamp tours and go look at gators. And you could go drive up, you know, 5, 10 feet from gators in a boat and yeah. 10 12, 13 foot gators, and people got a kick out of that. So a lot of gators, a lot of snakes.
0: Yeah. Did uh, you ever have any run-ins with the dogs or anything with cottonmouths, water moccasins?
1: Um, you know, not thankfully not hunting as much just because it was okay. cold out. But we had sure. uh, we had a couple ponds by our house, and in the spring, you know, there'd be there'd be snakes out kind of on our on our pond, and but yeah. thankfully. You know, we ate nothing, nothing major. Had a few king snakes that I yep. grabbed the shotgun. They, they were just all twisted up and doing like their mating courtship, whatever. And dogs were going crazy. Grabbed the shotgun, right. ready to like hammer down on some cotton balls and just king snakes. So yeah. <laughs> that was the closest call I had.
0: <laughs> the king snake is the one snake that I did see when I was hunting in Louisiana, and it it gave the the two guys that I was with like quite the fright until they determined it was a king snake, but it was big.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they're big and they're black. I mean they look like cotton moss and, you know, being from Minnesota, I was like uh. snakes I hate snakes. And yeah. all snakes are poisonous down here because it's the south and <laughs> but yeah, but thankfully, you know, there's a lot of places that people would get into them training dogs. Um did get in some uh huge rattlesnakes training dogs. Like five feet away wow. four or five foot rattlesnakes doing blood tracks through the woods so that was pretty eye-opening
0: yeah but yeah that I, I of course i'm a minnesota guy myself and yeah snakes are quite unfamiliar to me we just <laughs> we don't deal with them too much and so going down there tromping through the swamps chasing birds even for the short time i was there it was It was top of mind, and the worst part about it was, I probably have told this on the podcast before, but the worst thing was that it was unseasonably warm, so it was like 70 degrees, and standing around the truck in the morning, the locals are talking about, well, snakes could be out, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, are are we going to let the dogs loose? Like, are we going to go in there? And when we saw that king snake, I never do this, but I was pretty cautious about, like, you know, I was watching where I was stepping and I was trying to pay attention to the folks I was with, right? Like try mm-hmm. to, try to mirror the, what these guys are doing. If they're scared, if they're tiptoeing around, then I'm going to sure as heck do yeah. the same thing. And so I was, I was kind of behind this, this guy and we were walking out of the cover. So we were not really the way you would normally hunt, but we were kind of single filing, just almost getting back to the truck. And first guy steps over the snake unknowingly second guy is right in front of me backs up into me and is like snake 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 and i look down and here's this big i mean i don't know four or five six foot <laughs> six foot king snake on the ground and it started slithering away and so we all kind of like all right and then they identified as a king snake and then you could tell the tension was yeah. <laughs> relieved in the group but then the second guy goes, he goes Boy, if that was a water moxin you would have been in trouble to the first guy. And I'm just thinking to myself, what are we doing out here? The guy just stepped over a snake. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like, why why, why even have dogs? You're going to get bitten. Everyone's right. going to die. This That's is what worst. I was.
0: That was my feeling. Like, this is inevitable. We're going to. Somebody's getting hurt today. And they didn't. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know how much long we hunted after that. But I did shoot one woodcock in Louisiana. And I got to see the cover in the country. And it's it's cool.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know just unique, and it's you know same bird you're hunting in Minnesota, but the cover yep. down there, and uh, kind of that experience about being in southern Louisiana is, is something that everyone should try. Great food, great atmosphere, and oh, then and the yeah. birds are there. So
0: the food is incredible. That's probably one of my favorite memories from spending time down there. Yeah,
1: a lot of a uh, lot of cool things. Some of my favorite things from going down to Woodcock Country were you know they had a, a gas station that i think it's now a restaurant but 55 kinds of boudin you know crawfish yeah boudin pistolets everything so i'd always love going to that gas station (laughs) and just floating up on boudin
0: yeah it's good eating down there that's for sure Mm -hmm. well before we i don't want to miss this part about it tell us about the bird dogs a little bit ben
1: Yeah. So I've got, uh, two Deutsch Drodhaars. Uh, one is five and one is two or almost, he's about two and a half now. So, um, the first one, I, uh, you know, I really did a lot of uh, different kinds of hunting. So deer hunting, duck hunting, uh, and then bird hunting as well. So I wanted a dog that could kind of do everything. And so the Drodhaar fit the bill pretty well. Uh, could do a lot of, when I was living down there, I did a ton of water falling as well. And then their season is like, took like three months long, the deer season is. So had had a lot of opportunities to deer hunt and needed a blood dog. So droughthards just fit really well. And then started to do a lot more bird hunting and needed a second dog just, just for, because I'd go on these trips for four or five, six days and just pretty much run myself and the dogs ragged. ragged just trying to get as much time as I could in the field. So uh, got a second one, and and he is just a little machine. He loves loves to bird hunt, so uh, pretty good combination. Now, I'm, now I need another dog, too, now.
0: <laughs> another Deutsch?
1: I think I'm going English Pointer this time.
0: Oh, okay. Yep. Mix it up a little bit. Yep, exactly. Perhaps some of your more recent trips out west are influencing that a little bit?
1: Yes, for sure I watch I I've had the opportunity this year to watch some really really good pointers and um well you know you just just in your time out there as well. It's yeah. just such big country. It is. And the advantages of having a big running dog can't be overstated, so
0: Yep, for sure. Well, Ben, another thing I don't want to miss and we won't spend a ton of time on it, but it's not unusual for somebody growing up in Minnesota to get early exposure to the outdoors hunting and fishing was that the story for you kind of same old
1: yep it was you know pretty kind of the tale as old as time type deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah grand my grandpa my dad yep. I fell in love with it and uh, was pretty much obsessed with everything so yeah um, kind of a the cliche introduction into uh into hunting
0: yeah Was there one kind of hunting that your family was really geared up? Was it deer hunting? Was it waterfowling? Was it like that, or was it really a mixed bag?
1: It was really a mixed bag. You know, it it was nice. My dad um, did a lot of. We had a bird dog growing up, so we did a lot of pheasant hunting. Um, And as I got older, I really got into duck hunting. So, uh, yeah, it was great because uh, he would kind of take me out and do whatever I wanted to do. So it was nice. Uh, Got to do hunt deer, ducks, turkeys upland birds so a little bit of everything yeah yeah
0: good stuff man well let's let's get a little bit of a hunt report because it's october 22nd today so we we should be in the prime of it and i was just lamenting to you a little bit about the snow that i can see outside Mm. my window right now and it's been a topic of conversation amongst all the northwoods grouse hunters or many of them that i've been talking to the last couple days but we've had a lot of hunting opportunity up to this point i know you've taken advantage of that i certainly have let's hear a little bit about your season up until this point when did it when did you kick off
1: so i started uh i think i left for montana for the first time the week uh actually labor day i went out and headed out to montana for a week and um just just went out to a new area i'd never been to um wanted to try something different find some new ground and solo trip uh actually i went out uh, my dad came out with me okay cool so he came and then i met some a few people actually uh The breeder that I got my dogs from and a few buddies from down south came up as well. So they jumped in the car and had a nice 24, 25-hour drive. So
0: Easy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no kidding. (laughs) So I met them up there, and uh, it was uh, pretty much we couldn't do anything wrong. And I'm not, you know, by no means like a bird wizard at all. Yeah. Like it was just the numbers in Montana this year. And uh, North Dakota, pretty much, it seems like across the entire country, the numbers are just ridiculous. And whether that's pheasants, Sharpies, um, you know, we got into a lot of sage grouse, so uh, it it was a pretty, pretty banner year. And um, it took us, it took us a day to kind of figure out the program. Sure. But once we figured it out, um, that first trip for Sharpies, uh, you know, just, I had, I think I have like... I don't know it's got to be two hundred pins that I would just sit at the computer and scout and be like, "All right, this kind of looks good. I want to go drive by it and see how it is." So um, I did a lot of lot of preparation to finding spots, and, and it really paid off just because we could kind of hit a little milk run and uh, got into birds really quick. So,
0: did you have any weather issues in that early season trip? Some heat afternoons, hot.
1: Yeah. So it was um, actually the first. The, Right when we arrived there, it was, we had that big uh, cold front that rolled through. Okay. And so it was like, I think for the first three days, I don't think it got out of the 30s. So it was perfect conditions for running dogs. And then then it kind of got into your more typical Montana Montana weather. Yeah, Yeah. So we would run the dogs. You know, my dogs aren't very heat tolerant by any means. So we would run till 10 o'clock, maybe 11 o'clock. And then kind of call it quits for the day. But thankfully, the numbers were so good, by about 10 or 11 o'clock, uh, you either had all your birds or you had such a great day that it didn't matter.
0: Right. Kicking back didn't sound like too bad of an option. No, not at all. <laughs> Do some more scouting in the afternoon, driving around.
1: Yep, exactly. Go drive go around, scout, make dinner, have a few beers. So.
0: Yeah. I think that's an interesting topic that I, I guess I just don't want to leave it. The, the pre-scouting, that kind of country, sharptail country, and I'll note at this point that you went up to Tyler Webster's, host of the Birds, Boos, and Buds podcast earlier this summer, and you guys shot a little video, talked about scouting for sharptails, using ONX, looking at satellite imagery, looking at the topo layers, were you kind of pulling off that information? Like, what were some of the things that you were looking at? And I'll drop a link to that video. I actually put it in the, the last episode I did. We were talking sharp hunting, and I put a link in there. I'll put one in this one, too, just because it makes sense. But what were you looking at when you were trying to drop those 200 yeah. pins before your trip?
1: <laughs> so really the biggest thing I was looking for is just kind of a mosaic of cover. When you're looking at the map, you know, you don't want it to all be. And I was really keying in on color was the biggest thing. And okay. then once I would just because I could scroll over BMAs and state land and quickly kind of see the the difference in colors. So um, and what that corresponds to a lot of the times is topography. You know, you're going to have your your lights. You really kind of light areas um, going to be less grass on the tops of hills, and then as you fall off, that cover is going to get a little bit thicker. Um, looking for bushes, you know, plums, buffalo berry, yep. that kind of thing, uh, and that was that was going out with Tyler, and he had it. I mean, Ty, you know, Tyler is just so dialed in; he's yeah, it's, it's all he does. Yep. So to be able to go and drive around and and go, he would show me, all right, this is the ideal cover. So if you find stuff like this, there's going to be birds in there. So it was really really helpful because I've done a fair amount of Sharpie hunting, but what what i interpreted as like good sharpie ground was not exactly the juice so yeah he led me on to a few new areas that things to look for but um, the other thing is is topography that's another big one you don't want a big flat grassland anything with kind of a more rolling terrain especially out there you know it's always windy so something that you can you know those birds like to get out of the winds on the leeward sides of hills so um that's, that's kind of what I really keyed in on to find good Sharpie habitat. And it varies all the way across the state. Like you go out to, uh, you know, central Montana and that's, there's just not that kind of habitat around. Yeah, it's different. Yep. It was a mix of, so I went in actually and hunted with uh, Brandon Moss for a day. Okay. And, um, you know, that Sharpie ground looked a lot different. It was like sagebrush mixed with you know grass growing underneath and yep um, i picked his brain on that because it's like i never hunted sharpies out here before and i have no idea what i'm looking for so um it it just really really varies which was really cool to see how they adapt to those different areas
0: yeah that's interesting my the first time i ever hunted sharp tails and went out there i drove out stopped at tyler's place so i hunted that country which you Mm -hmm. know that's like and then from there, we went out, and I don't think we were hunting in, maybe not in the same place where you were hunting with Brandon Moss, but similar mm-hmm. in Montana, and same stuff, sagebrush with grass underneath. I didn't know anything about anything really at that point. So it was like, okay, well, this definitely looks different than what I was just hunting in North Dakota, but are there sharptails here, Brandon? Sure enough, <laughs> you know that was the first birds we got into 100 yards from the truck. We put up some sharptails in that Kind of sagebrush flat with grass in there, and that was it. Was cool to see how they'll use it, but I mean, that's that's upland game birds to a certain extent. They they need specific habitat, but their ability to adapt is pretty high, yeah.
1: And it, it was uh very, very you know, the first day we we started out for quite a bit further west, okay. And I just we found we got into a few birds, but I just didn't know that terrain. And I didn't understand that I had looked on the map and what I, a lot of what I found on the map was either overgrazed or that, you know, it just wasn't the habitat I was looking for. So uh, we actually got in the truck and just like moved five hours, four hours. Wow. Just, just to, and there were birds there, you know, I know a lot of guys that have hunted there and it's like, there's birds there, but I just didn't know that as well to find those great pieces of cover. So yeah, we just, just up and moved and it was a really good choice because, um, kind of more that typical cover that i was used to seeing and, and really got into the birds so
0: yeah all oh, those are good tips as far as you know my limited knowledge of of scouting and hunting sharp tails, that the topography is something i key in on the color that you can actually see on satellite imagery yeah that's going to be your your russian olives your buffalo berries your shrubs your coolies i mean mm-hmm. to a certain extent i mean that's that's what you're looking for it's cool to know that you could drop a pin go check it out i mean it's obviously you don't know the birds are there until you walk it but you can you can definitely maximize your time on the ground by investing some time up front in that way
1: yeah and that's for me i really get a lot of satisfaction doing it like that just all right this is a new area never been there i'm gonna go scout it figure out the birds and then you know hopefully hopefully shoot a few versus just uh you know i like i like hunting as well just shooting birds but there's there's that extra satisfaction from, you know, doing it all yourself, figuring it out and, and going and making it happen versus just having a pin sent to you,
0: which right, uh,
1: I'm not going to turn that down, no doubt about it, but.
0: Yep. Sometimes you get it, but I've, I've had the same thing where, and I've talked about that. The only Huns I've shot out at Tyler's and we haven't really chased them, but the only Huns I shot there were, tyler kind of put me into him you know and like yeah. i was of course appreciative of that and i was happy to shoot my first hunt but it, it's different than than going out and putting in the time and the work and and figuring it out yourself in a yeah. different way but yeah that's neither here nor there so montana then you come back to the Northwoods. yep so
1: then i spent uh, a couple weekends chasing girls went up did the north shore of minnesota yep. kind of as the leaves were peaking and joined all the other 5 million people on the North shore, (laughs) whether it's watching leaves or hunting. So a lot of people up there that time, which I guess is to be expected, but, um,
0: yeah. Old highway 61 was pretty crowded. I bet.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. You drove by uh, Betty's pies there. And I told my wife on the way back, she came up with me and it's like, Oh, we'll stop there. She's never been there before. And, um, as we got close to two harbors, and I could see the line on the road. I was like, "Nope,
0: <laughs> I could not imagine." Going. Yeah, yeah,
1: it was it was pretty nuts. But the the fun thing is, is the birds were there. There were yep. a lot of birds up and kind of up and down that north shore of Minnesota, and there were hunters, no doubt about it. But yep. I did not see one person walking. So. A lot of people driving around trying to sluice them off the road. So yeah. if you wanted to get, get out and run dogs and uh, put boots on the ground, kind of the world was your oyster. You might have a guy drive by you on a trail, which happened to me a number of times. But uh, it, it seemed like I saw very, very, very few birds actually on the trails. Just because it's so thick, I was walking a lot of right. trails. But, yeah. Um, I mean, we were doing kind of averaging about 24 25 births a day and not hunting super hard so right um i was you know i was very very happy with with kind of how that turned out
0: yeah yeah that was kind of the report you had given me when i we called and chatted and you mm-hmm. were just on your way i think heading back out west but i was getting the getting the recap from you and yeah i heard similar things i mean definitely northern minnesota birds were good really across all the areas i've hunted this year. numbers were pretty good but that's uh i've also heard about a lot of hunters this year and and that's i don't know whether it's sometimes in the rough grouse range you can we can have this cyclic not only the birds but the hunters the Mm -hmm. the hunters kind of chase the cycle or there's or at least historically they have i don't know how much they do it anymore but right now we've got COVID-19 pandemic a lot of people getting reactivated in the outdoors which is cool and I think I've seen that a little bit and and maybe that that is some of what you were seeing too but again good bird numbers good opportunity public land resources it's a win-win at the moment
1: yeah so kind of on the topic of of gross you know we're, we're looking out the window and you've got it up there too but I'm looking at like eight inches of snow out my window yeah so kind of what what's the consensus on up in your neck of the woods for what this snow is going to do for for birds
0: well for me at the moment in my own selfish way it's just all doom and gloom ben <laughs> i just <laughs> i feel like i feel like prime time grouse hunting is i'll say october 15th until as long as the snow holds out that's mm-hmm. my definition of it so in my mind I was in my, I was, I was over in Wisconsin last weekend hunting and like it was prime time covers down for the most part, leaves are down, birds are spread out. We got into birds and I'm ready for another month of that kind of hunting either before we get significant snowfall or when rifle seasons kick off, you know, rifle season starts in Minnesota a little early, then it starts in Wisconsin a little later. So I will hunt over there and now we've got. We got this snow. I got six inches here yesterday. We're predicted to get more today. Oh. We'll see what happens. I, I think, as far as the birds go, like you know, somebody like Ann Jandernal would certainly be able to tell us what better how they're going to react to the snow. But the th- thing about snow with grouse is a lot of snow and consistent snow is good for winter survival. So if we all of a sudden get dumped on and we have a good snowpack the rest of the year that's good for grouse but right now what we've got and you i'm sure you can see this we've got this wet heavy slushy yeah. snow it's not cold so the birds aren't aren't going to have any problems it's just all it's doing is kind of just throwing a wrench into things and it's really mixing up the the hunting season and maybe messing with the birds patterns and eliminating some food sources or that sort of thing i know the a lot of the grouse that i bagged over the last weekend pretty much filled up with hazel catkins that's they're they're turning on that stuff pretty hard at the moment and there's plenty of that out there so they'll probably continue to eat that this the snow is going to cover up the greens and the salad on the ground but the real question is what's going to happen with the snow do that we have is it going to stay is it going to freeze is it you know what's it going to do
1: yeah you know looking at at least down here the 10 day i mean it's not i don't know know, it's maybe going to get into the 40s low 40s a little bit but even yeah you know i if i was a betting man i would say that it's going to be brown again before it's white yeah but who knows i mean this would be yeah this would be pretty crazy for it to be
0: it would be very early for
1: white now till march so um so you got like a whole what seven days of prime time in before the snow
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 give or take yeah and and mind you I've I've been chasing them since opening weekend so I've certainly I've done a bunch of grouse hunting but as most people that do it a lot know you know it gets better and better and better mm-hmm. and and then and again as long as that as long as the heavy snow holds out I mean there's still grouse hunting to be done don't get me yeah. wrong it's I'm I'm kind of being pouty <laughs> over here but but like you said I I am looking at things like before this little cold weather and snow that we got there wasn't much it was a pretty like a warm summer a warm fall and so like the ground isn't frozen i mean we had tons of woodcock here because they were they were still fine like there hasn't been a lot of frost this is of course cooling things down but you can just see it the snow that we got i mean it was white and fluffy and it's like heavy wet 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 it's it's wanting to melt and so i'd love to see some 50 degree days in the forecast i'm not seeing that but 40 and sunshine will help and mm-hmm. if we if we the stuff we're supposed to get today if we get a little bit more rain than they were expected that would be that'd be good too yeah but, yeah i'd love to see the ground turn brown again <laughs> yeah
1: you know on the doom and gloom bandwagon i'm a little bit uh peeved because it was like all right the woodcock <laughs> we're just like all right it's gonna start popping here and i'm yes. gonna go up north and then the snow comes it's like what hell? yep i heard a lot you know right before the snowfall it was like okay the birds are in here hot and heavy and yep. i haven't heard much people are probably just sitting inside pouting like you yeah for now Yeah,
0: <laughs> that, that was that was another that was kind of my experience too like the woodcock hunting was we've got plenty of resident birds around here but the other weird thing we had going on was the super bone dry conditions which i'm mm-hmm. sure you you probably saw that even up north like it was really dry and i can't I'm, a, I'm an armchair biologist you know with the best yeah. of them but like i i feel like the dry conditions were certainly altering where the woodcock were and like in just my normal hunting patterns i wasn't getting into heavy numbers of them it was pretty sporadic and i wasn't concerned or anything didn't have any issues with that but then right before we got this snow you could tell they were flying because we started to get into flights and i had some covers where we moved a ton of them and so yeah, yeah that was that was kind of like peak migration and now You know a little bit of snow doesn't mess with the woodcock they're they're definitely i think they're paying more attention to whether whether or not the ground is frozen because then they can't feed and i've seen i've flushed woodcock in snow and i've seen them dance around a little bit but if we keep getting dumped on yeah they're going to be gone pretty Mm -hmm. fast
1: yeah so while grouse woodcock in the snow i don't necessarily care for i'm super excited about the pheasants Yeah, i bet you are (laughs) this is this is like christmas but unfortunately i just got back from montana north dakota and i was and in my head it was like all right the first snowfall of the year i'm like it doesn't matter if it's in minnesota kansas uh, north dakota I'm, chasing takes, I'm i'm taking it off and i'm going <laughs> and hunting and then it like dumps on right in our backyard here yep. and it's like i've been gone for like two weeks i better not just be like all right delete every meeting i'm going <laughs> hunting i was like oh i yeah. probably shouldn't do that so yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah well you did you did go back out to montana and we'll we haven't we haven't even dove into on x much so we'll yeah. we'll leave that short because i know you were with travis frank and the flush crew so there'll be some there'll be some stuff coming but that yeah. looked like a fun hunt
1: it was and i sound like a i guess it's a good broken record but um just birds everywhere, whether it's yeah. pheasants, sharpies, and then uh, hopped over into North Dakota for a few days, and the hon numbers. Really? And, and you were out there. But I yep. was just, after, when I was out there, the first time the crops weren't off. Yep. And all the crops, all the wheat was gone, and, I mean, just, covered, like, I couldn't drive down the road. We were scouting for waterfall and, wow. and looking for birds. And, I mean, it wasn't uncommon to see just driving seven eight nine ten cubbies just driving around off the side of the road so um it was fun to kind of go back and make a little milk run on those
0: yeah tyler always tells me october is the month for huns at least where he's hunting and i've never experienced that i've only been out there in september so i'm i'm kind of trying to force a square peg into a round hole trying to get on huns when i'm out there but yeah i would i got to get back out there a little bit later
1: yeah and travis and i were Talking about that, and you know, he was giddy about it too. And he's like, I, "I've just been thinking, I got to use that other five days of my license, so we got to plan it, got another plan, another trip out there because it was that good."
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about that now too, just because again of what we what we got done breaking down here, the weather here, like I've got another my other period for yeah. North Dakota that I haven't used, so I might uh might have to get creative a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, why waste it, right? You've exactly. Got
0: it. Yeah. Well. This is kind of funny because I'm wondering, would it in 2020 would it be a dumb question for me to ask you, Ben? What is Onyx Hunt?
1: Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> it is just just anecdotally from my perspective. So it is a tool that you, if you have never used it, just go and download it. There's a free trial.
0: Yep, seven days.
1: Yep, and. It it will change your life. I mean, we were talking about that, and I probably talk about this every trip I go on. I couldn't do, I can't imagine doing what I do, just going and just trying to figure it out without having Onyx. So if you yeah. haven't heard of it, it is a mobile app on your phone, and um, kind of the, the start of it was uh, land ownership data. So especially out west, is where, where our company is founded out in Montana, Missoula. And if you've ever been out west uh, hunting the mountains, land ownership boundaries are just so arbitrary. It'd be like all of a sudden I'm walking, 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 I'm on public land, and then I take one step. There's no fences, nothing, no change, and I'm on private land. And, you know, before, before Onyx, uh, y- there's not a little blue dot that's blinking on your plat book or your atlas yep. to show you you just walked into... Into private land, so uh, that was really the biggest, biggest, uh, biggest thing. And uh, it started with chips, and then it progressed chips for a GPS. Um, you can plug into your Garmin, and then it progressed to the mobile app. And um, you know that was the land ownership was really the start of it. And from there, just the the slew of features that can help you be more successful is you know every it seems like every week. Uh, We're releasing something new that's very helpful. So um, now on top of of land ownership data, uh, whether that's private land, public land, and then, you know, walk-in, whether it's plots or BMAs or um, IHAP, WEHA, whatever, it's all in the app. So you can find all these areas. Um, The ability to use waypoints, to mark your spots, to... um, to figure out, it's like even I, I use it a lot to figure out. All right, how far am I going to walk? I yep. can use the line distance tool, and it's like, all right, I can walk this spot, and this spot, this spot today, and then, kind of the unsung hero is uh, offline maps because uh, we take it for granted. You know, a lot of the yep. times we have service, but uh, out in Montana and even up in kind of the north, woods up on the north shore, it's like I would be completely lost. without having that data in front of me so you know that's just kind of on x in a nutshell but uh anyone that i talk to that travels to bird hunt or travels to hunt in general it's like you need this and i can say that with conviction because i mean i'm sure you're the same way it's just you couldn't do it well you could do it but it would just be a lot more difficult
0: it's it's a technology that and i'm like full disclosure i'm kind of of the of the personality type i grew up with technology kind of in that Mm -hmm. age and era so like i'm very willing to adopt new technologies and they don't always work out right but i'm i'm usually towards the front of the line willing to adopt some kind of a new technology with onyx i can again i can confidently say looking back like i just i don't envy doing it without it you know, yeah. like I don't envy anybody that had to hunt that hunted for years and decades that did it without it in the same way that I don't envy the old grouse hunters that had to go hunting without a GPS on their dog. I uh-huh. mean, I, I 100% take that for granted and I would never put my dog in the woods without a GPS collar because it's that kind of a technology that it's just, it's worth every single penny. OnX, full disclosure, the OnX team has been a supporter of the podcast. They, they take good care of me. I don't pay for my Onyx subscription at the moment, but if that ever changed, it'd be the easiest hundred bucks I spent every year to get that elite membership. I, I wouldn't be going to North Dakota, Wisconsin, Minnesota, hunting all these different states. I I would not be able to hunt them in the way that I do. And I've, I've talked about this with Tyler, like something as simple as going out to hunt North Dakota. And you mentioned it, Ben, like the difference between, I mean, there's a lot of difference between, between on x and a plat book but to have your location pegged on the map as a little blue dot i'm driving down the road i see good looking sharp tail cover Oh, well, this is exactly what ben and tyler talked about on the video there's the mm-hmm. buffalo berry there's a topography it's not public but it, is it posted if it's not posted i can hunt it where's the corner i look i pull up on x i look here's the corner there's the fence post no sign we're good to go i mean just stuff like that where it just makes it so seamless in making your decisions in the field and hunting and the yeah the line distance tool i use that one a lot i'm looking at rough grouse hunter i'm always looking at where's this cut where's this swamp that i want to get to how far is it how tired is my dog going to be by the time we get there oh just tired enough where he's going to have a nice easy face perfect yeah let's hike in there yeah <laughs> like that's that's how i use on and I mentioned this all the time. Like it changes. You pay for the subscription and you Ben, the team at on X is continually working to improve this thing. A person has paid for the subscription the next week. They might get a brand new feature, you know, dropped mm-hmm. in their email box and it's just always, always improving. And it's, it's grown way beyond the land ownership data, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, that's the fun thing about uh, working there is, um, the first thing is it's, it's truly a kind of a customer first mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you want something, Nick, if you, whether it's you, Nick, you know, somebody that, that we work with or somebody listening who, um, just loves to hunt and you send in an email and say, Hey, I would love this feature. I would love that feature. Um, and, and if it pertains to upland hunting, there's, I'm going to get that email and it's going to go to the team and it's going to get considered. So. Uh, that's really fun. Is, is we truly care about what the customer wants, and we build features to support that. So, it, it, it's pretty pretty fun to to work for the company, and and uh, I I like it just because, uh, you know, this is what I love to do. I like bird hunting, I like right. finding spots, and it, it, so it works out
0: nice. Yeah, and I I do think it is one of those things where I've heard enough people say it that you know they couldn't imagine hunting without Onyx. It's just it's a game changing technology that has kinda of infiltrated the hunting community in a way that there's a reason why I was kinda of jokingly saying, Is it dumb to ask you what Onyx <laughs> is because many, many people are familiar with it, many, many people are using it. I did I had a buddy that was coming up, he just got his first bird dog, he was coming up to my camp to go grouse hunting and I was starting to tell him about Onyx because he doesn't normally hunt in Wisconsin where we were gonna go and he went, grabbed the seven day free trial and he ended up buying. He's like, "Wow, I, I didn't realize I could get all this information." He did forget to use the Project Elven podcast code. I oh was pretty pissed about that. So I'm just I'm telling you, Ben, so you know that that guy. I sent you another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh,
1: that. That's one of my other favorite things. Is just uh, you know, like your perfect instance. It's like, all right, I, you know, I'm going to come hunt with you, and you can go and send me. All right here's a waypoint, here's a waypoint, here's a waypoint and all right, let's go. And so I have all that information on my map too. But if I didn't have it, even there was an area in North Dakota, you know, there's a few counties that are like super holdout, like they don't want to give up their information or they just don't have it and we're working on it. But we were looking for ducks actually and found a field. Um, This one area didn't have landowner data and it's like, this is ridiculous. Like, what do I do? Like, I don't, where, where do they live? How do I go ask permission? It was posted. And I just got flustered. I was like, this is, this is crazy. I I don't know what to do.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, you rely on it so much that Mm -hmm. when it's, when it's gone, it's, it's crazy. And I, I do that a lot. I do pretty much all my mapping and navigating via Onyx in my phone. And I'm, I'm kind of careful in the sense that I've always got my compass. I usually have a GPS with me too, mark the truck, you know, redundancy, building that in because God forbid you drop your phone or you lose it or something. But it is that kind of a technology that I'm so reliant on it. I've got to make sure I have some redundancy measures in place, which is easy enough to do these days.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's, that's another thing. Um, Kind of our motto is you can stake your life on it. So odds of our app crashing, are way way less than you taking your phone and dropping it in the water stepping on it breaking it right and for us you know maybe in the northwoods a little bit but a lot of the times it's like okay i could get out of here you know i don't but, yeah. but when you're out west um and you're in the back country it's like that. that's different you know you there's a good chance you could get lost and and yep. potentially not make it out but um, just the convenience—it's like I, you turn it on, you know it's going to work, and you know, no concerns about that. Like I say, your phone battery might die, but right. that's that's the worst thing.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of phone battery, we can talk offline maps. I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff in here that's been added. We got weather data in there now. You've got. The waypoint thing has been greatly expanded as far as like how you can catalog and organize your waypoints. I might ask you a little bit about that. Let's talk offline maps because that was a big one this year. Offline maps were kind of this... I don't want to say love-hate, but you need offline maps to get in there. But it, it was with anything i mean anytime you're downloading offline stuff you got to go download it you got to make sure you have the right imagery the right maps Mm -hmm. onyx i felt made it pretty easy with the blocks you could see where you're grabbing you can grab an area i always think for upland hunting it's kind of tough because like we like to have a really big range Mm -hmm. of where you can go hunting whereas if you're big game hunting like it'd be easy to grab five mile square i know i'm hunting in here so it's a little more streamlined in that way but X put a bunch of work in they made it faster easier to use the way everything downloads now I've been using it this this fall it's it's quicker and all the all the offline maps save so if I got Minnesota grouse country I've got all these offline maps saved if I need to move them off my phone and save storage then I can that stuff gets saved in my account I could go grab it again next year tell me what you know about the offline maps
1: yeah so uh, you know talking in terms of new features um I use the web map a lot, and a lot of people don't actually. Right. Most people, it's like it lives and dies on their phone. Yep. Um, I use I use the web map, so on my computer, probably even more so than I actually use the physical app on the phone. Just because you're on a big screen, it's easy to see everything. That's where I do all my scouting is on the computer. Yep. So in terms of offline maps, before I went out to North Dakota and, or out to Montana, um, I went and, and now what you can do before you had to go and actually do it on your phone and you can save right save increments in 5, 10 or 150 miles and then it's varying resolution. But um, now what I can do is I can go onto the web map and I can click offline map and I can pretty much prompt it, say, all right, this is the area I want to save. And then it'll send it to my phone, and next time I open the app, it's like, all right, we're downloading offline maps on your phone just by clicking on the computer. So, yeah, um, just really easy. And I, I probably go overboard, but there are actually a couple times in Montana where I didn't have it downloaded, for like we just went, you know, maybe twenty miles too far outside of my range. And um, again, one one of those things that you really take for granted.
0: Yeah, yeah, the ability to save offline maps on the web map that was a big big mm-hmm. one that's that's one of the first things i did before i think i took my trip out to north dakota this year was go on there and i've become pretty accustomed to using the web map i like that for my deep dives really of yeah. course you're, you're using your phone when you're in the field navigating and it's it's a really user-friendly way to do it but to do the to do the prep and the research the web map works great for that yeah the maps do download faster now and there were some things where if you're downloading a map and you lose service it'll pause and then all of a sudden you get service it'll keep downloading yep. all that stuff has has been streamlined to make it a lot easier and more seamless of getting your online offline maps and your the information that you need on your phone which works in a good way And you can title them all that was yep. another thing they were they were kind of like dated in the past so you you didn't know what was what now you can title them minnesota grouse country north dakota sharpies whatever you want and you can save all that stuff which is excellent
1: yeah you're ahead of the head of the game on that because mine are still like <laughs>
0: oh i still have some old ones like just date
1: still and yeah. it's like god i'm so dumb i should have just <laughs> should have saved all this but uh what do you do i'll, I'll learn eventually
0: <laughs> talk to me about the tracks and i want to talk tracks and waypoints real quick and specifically how you use them mainly because i'm just kind of looking for ideas and like how you use tracks like when you go on a bird hunt. Do you start a track every single time, or how do you use that feature, if at all? Yeah,
1: so um, the, the tracks are great, and, and what I, kind of the, the main way that I actually use tracks is I like to do it for when I'm actually driving around looking at spots, okay. looking at areas. Like, I, was, I use it a ton for waterfall hunting, and when I'm scouting, because then if there's four or five of us together, you know, you kind of know which areas everyone covers scouting. sure. But as it pertains to bird hunting, what I think is really interesting is, um, if I'm hunting with three, four guys, or, you know, let's say two or three guys, I'll turn the tracker on and, uh, the, what I use it for is to see how I cover the area. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's easy if you're hunting a piece of cover that's pretty slim, uh, you know, and you can kind of walk down the middle of it, but I'm consistently surprised when I look at my track. And realize that I've missed some really big pieces of cover. It's like I thought I covered this whole thing pretty well, but I've actually missed this whole corner, and I'll go back in there and and find birds um more often oftentimes uh quite a quite a few times so
0: that's like an in the field on the fly decision. You can look at your track and be like, "Wow, I missed this entire piece of this cover whereas i like to just kind of keep moving keep my legs moving keep walking and all of a sudden you're back at the truck and to be able to go down and look and see that you missed a spot mm-hmm. oh, i got another bird left to to bag maybe i'll go check that out that's pretty cool
1: yeah and then you get bragging rights you turn on your tracker and it's like <laughs> oh I, I did 14 miles oh yeah blah 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 but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah just just figuring out what you cover, which ground you cover and which you don't especially for pheasants and and sharpies out in that country it's like we were hunting some bigger pieces of land, and I had put waypoints, kind of the areas I wanted to hit. And I get, I can see, I can see tendencies a lot. Like, all right, I tend to, you know, I, well, for some reason, I always tend to go to the left. It's yeah. Just really interested in yeah, yeah, analyzing yeah. it. So, but uh, so that's you know the tracker uh, waypoints is something that that before we leave I, the tracks real okay, quick. Okay. So
0: I just want to like so all of the all those tracks can be saved over time. Like they could be left on your map indefinitely. They're on there. This is one thing that I've, I've been hesitant. I think in years past to use tracks and to use waypoints because I have this weird thing where I like, I don't want my map cluttered up with all that stuff. And I know I can turn them off. I know I can turn (laughs) them off. I've just, what I haven't got gone in and done is like, how is the organization and the cataloging of that kind of stuff? Could you take like all your tracks from a certain period and put them in a folder and say like this is my North Dakota 2020 sharptail hunt? I mean, can you is the organization up to that point?
1: Not yet, but okay. you'll be pleasantly surprised here in the future. So <laughs> okay. something we are working on. Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah, cuz that would be that would be I think that would it would help me do it more if I don't know. I, I'm I'm very like specific and, and nitpicky, and I know a lot of people that are using them in this way, and probably are just turning them off or leaving them mm-hmm. on, whatever they want to do. But there's a lot of value, I think, because we we're. I was hunting with my buddy Garrett last weekend, and you know we go to a spot that we hunted last year, and he's kind of looking at it like he doesn't. He's not in these spots all the time, but he's like, oh yeah, I remember this? We walked up here, and it's like it makes the communication in the field really really easy and then he and i don't have to be yelling back and forth at each other because that's just not a fun thing to do when you're bird hunting and yeah yeah just the when you have a bunch of people using the same thing the communication amongst hunters i think can be really helped which is which is good all right so waypoints how do you use them
1: so I've got my, my own system that I kind of developed. Um, you know, a lot of people do it by year, like we were, you were talking about. You know, yeah. one year is going to be a certain color. The next year it will be a, uh, that color. But I use mine a little differently. So I pick colors for three things. So I pick colors like yellow is my color for um, an area that I scouted on online. I've never been there. It just looks like good cover. Yeah. And let's just say I drive by that piece and I confirm that there are that it indeed is like all right the grass is right it hasn't been overgrazed then i'll switch it to a purple okay and then after whether i drive by or actually go and hunt it and it produces birds then i switch it to a different color so then it it goes to blue because otherwise i go in like my map is
0: just you got pins everywhere it's it's nasty so
1: (laughs) i could that really helps me like hone in be like okay because i've got way more yellow pins than i do blue pins just because i yeah you know look look around a lot so um, that tells me it's like okay I found birds here um, I can go back easily find uh, those areas and then I also put especially for actually a lot for a lot of birds really I'll go and put um, a different color so I'll put a blue like kind of where I start and then every bird I move or I try at least sometimes yep. it gets a little crazy but I'll put a, a different color so I'll put brown for every single bird I move. And it sounds like a pain in the butt and it kind of is, but then I can look year over year and I can start finding trends and I really like digging into the nitty gritty. It's like, all right, why is a bird in this area? Then you can look at four or five different spots with those waypoints there and really figure out, okay, I think this is why that bird is here. And, and you know, you, you walk into an area and a lot of times you can say, all right, this spot, you point at an area, it's like, I know if there's going to be a bird, it's probably going to be here. But by putting waypoints down where I actually find birds, it just kind of helps me visualize it on the map. And then I can find other areas that are, you know, very similar to that yeah. or identify them
0: easier. I use pins in a very similar way. I'm not as fully organized as you are with the color coding, but that's my thinking. It's like I have pins that I drop in a certain color when I'm looking at home, and then after I go and hunt a spot and I like it, I'll change the color and do that. I also am a fan of dropping pins where certain birds flush. I don't do it for every bird. Like Mm -hmm. in the grouse woods, I mark where I flush rough grouse, but I don't do it with woodcock. And that's, okay. just, that's just me because I – mainly because I'm I'm more concerned with where I'm flushing the grouse. The woodcock I tend to just get into in my pursuit of rough yeah. grouse, and that's kind of how I approach it. But what would be the easiest way to drop a pin – because this is, this is the deal. Like you're out in the field and you're kind of alluding to it where it can be kind of a, a pain in the ass. But if you're – what's the quickest way to drop a pin and get it to your brown color? I mean do you have to just – Flip open on X, drop a pin on the spot. Then you got to change the color, and boom, you're moving on. That's it. Yeah.
1: Yep. So I don't. I I won't put any notes in. Um, yep. Yeah. Sometimes if like you know, it's like if I found a good like on the North Shore, I found like a probably it was probably two broods together. And there I went and put in a note because it's like, this is, I did, cannot forget this. multi brood flush, yeah. So many yep. Birds. Yep. Um But yeah, and, and the nice thing is we recently changed it where uh, you have uh, recently used at the top of your waypoint. So all you do is like a, we call it a long press. So you click and hold on your map screen and it'll.
0: Oh yeah, okay. And it'll
1: pop up with a, a you know, the add a waypoint feature and then. I think it's your last four or five waypoints that you've used are right there. So it's literally you tap, hold it down, hit the Upland icon, and then I click blue and save, and it's done. Okay,
0: so you, could do, you can do the Upland, your recent news, and you can do a color in that initial save. Yeah. So that is, that is quicker than it used to be.
1: Because before, a lot of the times you'd have to go... Create the waypoint. Save
0: the and standard red X, and then you have to go back and edit. Yeah. Yep.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You do the color. So now it's it's really really easy because it's like three clicks and you're done, and it takes yep. less than five seconds. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That is easier, and I and as I mentioned, I think having the ability to mark those bird flushes just from an upland bird hunting perspective put those on and see them over time like you're gonna if you hunt the same spots or you hunt similar spots you're gonna see these patterns and i Mm -hmm. think that's that's a value add moving forward for sure
1: yeah without a doubt
0: still on the train of waypoints this is one thing i really really like about onyx and it's the thought process around really the mind of a hunter and in sort of journaling and logging and the ability to as you mentioned add notes to your waypoints which very you know makes sense very obvious more information is better especially when you get a year or two down the road looking back but you can say pictures and what else can you do with a waypoint
1: yeah so um you can obviously you can name it um yeah and then we talked about notes but uh, that's another you can attach a picture to it so um i you know personally i don't use a pictures a ton you know i don't know a lot of people that what they'll do is You know, whether they, you know, take a picture of them and their dog with the bird they shot there, just so they can kind of relive that hunt. What I do, what I started to do is like areas in Minnesota that I can drive around in the summer and scout. Uh, What I'll do is I'll take pictures of kind of like the surrounding area. So it's whether it's corn, beans, whatever surrounding that, I'll just take a picture and attach it to that waypoint really quick. So then, when I'm going back, it's like okay, this one has corn on it. This year, I'm gonna go here, just so I can quickly kind of see or okay, jog my memory. Like, yep, this is this is a good spot. I okay, I remember where I parked, where I think I should hunt birds. Um, yeah. So that's 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 one way I use photos in the waypoints. Yeah, well. you
0: can't be driving by that spot every day. So to again jog your memory, it's and it's really that's. I think that's the fun part about asking you and other people how they use it because it's not necessarily about the right or wrong way to use it. It's just the capability is there. The Mm -hmm. the capability is there, and it's ever-expanding to be able to make this thing the kind of tool that you want it to be, and it's just something I incredibly appreciate.
1: Yeah, and I I go, you know, my organization and, and how I use it is probably above and beyond. You know, there's a lot of people that just... Use it for land ownership, and they put their red X, you know, on a spot they've shot birds and whatnot. But there's a lot of ways to use it, and a lot of different things. And I just try to explore that. And, And like I say, I've picked up a lot of things from other people and how they use it that I've found to be really helpful, kind of for for how I hunt.
0: Yeah, and we're definitely you know we're diving deep into some of the ways that people can use it. But if you back up and really just take a look at like the value proposition for the cost of what used to be basically a single county plat book, which I bought a couple of them, you get an entire state worth of this land ownership information, plus everything else that we're talking about, all this other stuff, the continuity from year to year, the ability to save your information, log your hunts, archive waypoints. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And yes, you're going to pay for it every year. But again, in my opinion, it's, it's well worth it. And I was, I was, buying onyx before i started doing the project up and podcast and they came on as a supporter i was i was a user of onyx so it's been uh it's definitely something i i don't see going away anytime soon let's talk real quick about sharing pins yeah because that's become i i do it a lot i mean it's like with with people i trust and like with things Mm -hmm. i mean there's this whole outside of just the technology side of sharing pins you've got the whole like do you trust this person with your pin and the etiquette (laughs) and everything else? But when I'm having a conversation with, I've got some grouse hunting friends that we like to talk and like, we're kind of hunting similar areas and like to be able to drop a pin and kind of say, Hey, I was in here and moving birds. And we have a, we have a discussion around the pin sharing. Like it's just, it's really, really cool.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting because it, now it's, again, one thing you take for granted because it's, you know, I was just talking to my brother the other day and he's like, well, we should go hunting out west. And said so I know this guy that's got a field and then literally he just sends me a pin and mm. it's like, okay, now I can see versus in the old days, I remember taking screenshots. Yeah. And, like, and then, and then I'd go on the map and try to find that area or an yep. or an <laughs> arbitrary address uh when we were out in montana actually it's like uh, i was sitting we were camping on a piece of state land and travis texted me he said where are you and it's like boom just send him a pin he can add it to his map and he knows exactly where i am versus all right here are the gps coordinates (laughs) have fun (laughs) Yep. so um just just a great way to just interact and uh easily share information
0: yeah for sure man well, we're coming up on our time here, and I know that, like every Onyx interview I've ever heard and/or been a part of, everybody loves to ask what's coming, what's coming next, and I'm, uh, we were we were joking about that a little bit, but I'm, I'm of the mind that wh- whether we know it or not, I know that I'm gonna get an email from Onyx sometime soon to let me know that I've got a new feature, and, and I love that about it. You did mention that I might get some uh, might get some organization ability for tracks and waypoints a little bit moving forward in the future, so that's mm-hmm. that's cool to hear about. Anything else kind of on on the radar that you could you could hint at or things coming up?
1: Yeah. So the so uh, before we talk about uh, you know new like brand new things that are upcoming, you know if you haven't yeah. seen it, we we launched our three D.
0: So oh yeah yeah we gotta talk about that real quick.
1: Yeah, so 3D is it's it's really cool because you can see the waypoints, you can see your trails, how it kind of uh, interacts with the terrain. Um, so right now it's available on iOS and yep. web map. So your Android people don't worry, it's coming, but just not here yet. Um, but yeah, so 3D was that you know we pretty much built our 3D platform ourselves.
0: So where I'm at with 3D is I saw it pop up said you've got the beta ios version Mm -hmm. i tapped it once kind of did a quick scan around it and backed out right Mm -hmm. it's it's unfamiliar to me i'm not i didn't invest the time to look at it and now like when i'm in the field sometimes i'm messing around and i tap 3d and i go into 3d Mm -hmm. and i'm like i gotta back up but like (laughs) what what should i be looking at in 3d and what are how are you using that in your hunts so uh
1: the, like we were talking about Sharpies early in topography, Yeah. you know uh, unless you're like a cartographer or you spend a lot of time looking at t- topo maps, Yeah. It, it can be hard to tell what it actually looks like and whether it's like is this the high spot or is this the low spot and just by being able to visualize that on the map, so when I'm looking for Sharpie ground I'll go, it's like alright, here's a good area there's a lot of topo lines, I can go into 3D, it's like okay, this is what it actually looks like
0: Okay, so 3D is helping me see my topographical areas, which kind of makes sense because I, I don't look at topography. Probably, maybe I should. I don't look at it a ton when I'm rough grouse hunting, but I am, you know, the one thing the snow's got me thinking about a little bit, Ben, is deer hunting, which mm-hmm. I do enjoy, and, and I partake as much as I can. I could see that 3D as I'm looking for topographic funnels or saddles or areas where i might hang a deer stand like that's yep. that's gonna help me out in that regard
1: oh yeah for sure that's um you know as a big game hunter a deer hunter uh i it's very very useful for the reasons you said exactly and yep. um you know grouse hunting pheasant hunting uh, it doesn't really matter it's, it's yeah. all about the cover yep. but uh, when you're going out west or or you're a bow hunter and just finding those you know the spot on the spot type deal 3d is is great and just helps you visualize it and then to be able to see kind of how your tracks interact with the topography as well that's
0: cool yeah mm-hmm. i didn't think about that yeah
1: so and again like post-mortem after i got back from montana i you know i'll put waypoints and, and icons where i find all these birds and then i just sit and geek out for a while and. Yep. Like, all right, I remember the wind was this direction, this way, and, like, all right, 75% of my birds were in bushes on the leeward side. Yep. And then you can just kind of see how the birds interact with the terrain. So um, that's that's where I find 3D really applicable.
0: Yeah, I could see re- absolutely reviewing a sharptail hunt in that regard and seeing, mm-hmm. yep, here I was working the leeward side of these knobs, and there's my there's my flush pins, like, mm-hmm. very, very cool stuff. Yeah.
1: So yeah, and then the the nice thing is in terms of upcoming, yeah. new shiny things. Um yeah. like I'm looking at a list on my computer right now, and it's like ridiculously long. Really? So we lot of cool things yep. coming out, and then because primarily, Onyx got it start in big game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so that's kind of bread and butter. There's more, way way more big game and deer hunters than there are bird hunters, but. We've got a lot of things that are going to be very, very helpful to bird hunters specifically. Cool. Even little things like waypoints. So, adding new waypoints that you'll yep. be able to, you know, more accurately put down what you're looking at. Sure, sure, sure. All the way to just some like crazy things that I can't, I can't say anything about them, but just like mind blowing things that it's gonna kind of how Onyx has changed the game in terms of land ownership and all this it's going to be like we're going to have this conversation a year from now nick and you're going to be like i i can't believe i ever you know i couldn't live without this now
0: so love it love it i can't wait for that man christmas is coming
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) is just on that note obviously like late summer is a big big time for Onyx because everybody's mm-hmm. thinking about fall i mean is that like do you break the year down that way and think oh we want to have all our big releases then or is it kind of more on like a as they come available and of course you want to keep keep things coming out fresh not just once a year
1: yeah we'll have things in the pipeline and we test pretty extensively because the last thing we want to do is put something out right. And you're using it, and then it breaks, and you're pissed off about it. So we spend a lot of time testing, yeah. um, but when we feel it's ready to go, it's like we want we want to get that into your hands and make sure you're able to use it and and learn it. So that's that's kind of how we roll. It's not like we're going to save everything up and, and yeah. throw it out, but it's it's really want to get it into the hands of the people when it's ready to go. So
0: yeah, and I know the business is really built on, like you said, it's a customer first experience. It's user feedback, like mm-hmm. you as Great is probably the developers and the whole team is at Onyx. You develop something. You never know how people are going to use it and mm-hmm. find it applicable to their situation. So getting it into the hands of the incredible subscriber base is, is only going to help Onyx yeah. grow and keep developing. So yeah. that's very cool. Uh, on that note, oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say, if, like, uh, another thing, if you ever have any questions, if anyone listening has questions, yep. don't know how to use a feature, customer service. Our customer service okay. is, is ridiculously good and they're all users they they know it in and out yeah and if you call someone you will get a human being on the phone to talk to that is in missoula and they know the app really well so don't hesitate to give them a call to learn or or you can you know you can search my name on the internet and i guarantee it's not that hard to find my phone number yeah so just call (laughs) so it's really like i say it's yeah it's, it's all about the customer so we want to make sure that that uh, they're happy and, and know how to use the app, and it's providing them a way to be a better bird hunter, to find more birds, um, ultimately be more
0: successful. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So check out the customer service line. I'll make sure to point people in that direction in the show notes. What about one thing I was going to ask you it was it was very related to that? But if folks do have something in their user experience and they have a suggestion or feedback, mm-hmm. is there a specific place they should go to send that?
1: Yeah, you can go. Um, actually, within the app, like you can report it, whether it's an issue. Um, you can go and report that. Uh, really. I don't know. Yeah. So you can click. I didn't I think even know it's that. Okay. Report. I, I want to say it's like report bug or something like that. You can go in, and send feedback. All right. So yeah. So if you if you want to give feedback, all you have to do is go to you can go to onyxmaps.com, click contact, and a little box shows up, and you can type hey. I this is great, or I hate this. I want to change this. You should yep. look at doing that. So really easy, and and it doesn't matter how you contact us, whether you find someone on the internet that you know that might work or connected with it. You know, we we take that feedback really seriously. So somebody's gonna
0: see somebody it. is yeah. gonna
1: see it. Somebody is gonna respond to you. So
0: cool. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well. I appreciate the time today. It was fun to catch up, get a little recap on your your hunting mm-hmm. season, and I'll look forward to continuing to stay in touch with you and keeping up to date on Onyx, and we'll we will keep the Project Upland Podcast listeners up to date as necessary. Mm-hmm. I'll remind folks there is a code to use for the Project Upland Podcast that is P U P two zero. You can save twenty percent on your Onyx hunt subscription doesn't get much easier than that does it ben no it doesn't
1: so you have fun trudging through snow i'm curious to see yeah. how your your grouse experience goes in the snow so you'll have to keep us a little up. melt going yeah you'll have to keep us up to date on 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 your doom and gloom 2020. yeah
0: 20 <laughs> yeah yeah i'm on watch right now yep i gotta we'll, we'll see how things go but there's uh there's hunting to be done yet and yeah. i think we'll be okay i uh,
1: appreciate it nick
0: yeah. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. And onxmaps.com? Yep.
1: Yep. Or you can go wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Google Play Store, iOS, or yep. onxmaps.com. Download it, get your free seven-day trial, see if you like it, play around with it. And if you like to bird hunt or like to hunt in general, it's something you got to have.
0: Yep. I would agree. All right, buddy. All right, you man. have a good day. We'll keep in touch. Thanks, Nick. All right. See you, Ben. Thanks for tuning in to the Project Upland Podcast. Quick reminder that this episode was brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food, CZ USA Shotguns, Gumleaf USA, Dog Callers, ESP Hearing Protection, Trinity Kennels, and Dakota 283 Kennels. Don't forget to visit projectupland.com to read, watch, and listen to more great Upland hunting content. And please, if you enjoyed this episode of the show, leave the podcast a rating and a review that really helps us out and it helps more people find the show. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Project Up in podcast. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gun Dog It Yourself Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gun Dog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.